Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. It is incredible to me that in 2017, there are still taboo topics for women to talk about in this world, discussing our sexual needs and desires, mental health, our status in terms of power, and of course, our looks are still under fire. Women in charge are still often criticized as bitches instead of praised as confident and assertive like their male counterparts. Bad sex is still expected to be something you just kind of deal with. And women walking down the street are still told by strangers to smile. I'm sure I'm gasped. Oh, that's pause my least gasping. favorite thing in the world. <laughs> I'm sure you know by now that Cosmo is not the place to keep quiet and abide by social norms. So today, let's be bold and talk about the things nobody else is. And by the end of the hour, I have feeling none of them will feel very taboo at all. I'm Lisa Benson. This is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast. And today, we're talking about sex, power, happiness, and more all things taboo. Joining me on the panel today is my dear friend, Cosmopolitan's Director of Editorial and Business Development, Laura Brownstein. Hi, Laura. Hi, Lisa. Love doing this. This is like, we're in such a podcast zone. So I, you are the perfect person to come on and talk about taboos because you've been working on this feature in the magazine for so long and we are right around the corner from a big event where we're going to talk about all of this IRL. So what do, what do the kids need to know? All right. All the things. All um, the things. So the concept behind this kind of the piece in the magazine and the event we're doing is that there are still certain topics that, as you said, are stigmatized for women to talk about. And that holds us back from getting the information and support we need about things that really matter to us. It's bullshit. It is. Yeah. I mean, it. you're just supposed to, I mean, we kind of say in the magazine, it's like you're not supposed to be ambitious. You're mm. not supposed to speak up on certain issues. And Cosmo is kind of not having that. Right. Cosmo you know, wants to bust through any stigmas like that. We are not about that, mm-hmm. like, we, sideline life. We are not about that. We yeah. Are, we're not here for that, basically. We are not here for that. Mm-mm. So we did this whole, we did original research to find out what topics are most interesting. And then we have this amazing event in New York City on June 24th. You're all invited. Everybody needs to come. You can go to, I'm going to do, like, a little ad moment. Do and it, say, go to cosmopolitan.com backslash let's talk. And all the information and a link to buy tickets. And if you're familiar with our Fun Fearless events, it's going to be somewhat similar to that, but even more kind of interactive and going there. Like a little more like sex focused. A little more sex and a little bit more about your image, how you look. I mean, we're going to have some of the country's top dermatologists there so that you can ask questions about all the things like Women are supposed to look a certain way. We're judged on our appearance, yet we're not encouraged to kind of put the effort into looking the way we want to look or right. feeling the way we want to feel. Like no shade to Beyonce, but it's like you're supposed to like woke up like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I do not wake up like this. Actually, today as I'm wearing like zero makeup, which is like podcast perks, I did wake up looking like this. But anyway, me, me too. that's neither. Yeah, neither here nor there. <laughs> um, so of the taboo topics that we've kind of talked about so far and kind of I like listed off in my fancy pants intro, what mm-hmm. is the one that bothers you the most? What do you think is the biggest BS of all the taboo topics? <gasps> Oh, I have such a hard time narrowing it down. But I guess my pet thing is like the power and ambition Mm. thing. I think, you know, for it's still kind of women are not supposed to say that they're really ambitious. They're not supposed to kind of push towards the next thing. Right. And, you know. 
I have a really specific thing to say about that. Okay. One thing that I am sick of that kind of has to do with women in the workplace. I am so tired of people telling me to stop saying like and stop talking like a valley girl. I am over it. It's like, oh, the only way to be successful is talking like a man. That is such bullshit. And I work at Cosmo in 17 where mm-hmm. I've been in this job for 11 years and it has served me to be able to connect with millennials and baby millennials. Like, I'm sick of it. I won't do it any longer. I love that. And I think... Just to like start off with a well, rant on no, the show. It's completely true. I mean, I think what you're addressing is the fact that for so long, the only way to success was to follow kind of male dictated norms of expressing yourself. Right. And yet the trap was that when women did that, when women were kind of confident and empowered and more knowledgeable than anybody else in the room, sometimes they still lose to the less informed man and that can happen in kind of any arena so i think getting comfortable with like making it a topic that we talk about with each other but also with the guys in our life Mm. and whether we're talking about them them but like (laughs) saying you know if someone's mansplaining something do you being able to say like oh yeah you know i wrote that book yeah. You know, which is yeah. sometimes, whether it's figurative or literal, yeah, you yeah. can be like, oh, yeah, I, I host that podcast. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I love that. I should start saying like, oh, right, I, I host that podcast. Yeah. Men love to talk about podcasts. Men and their podcasts. Anyway, I'm getting totally off the topic. <laughs> when did I get, like, you said the words, let's talk about it, and here I am talking about it. But we but, have, one of the coolest things we did was because we wanted to kind of encourage women not just to kind of talk about it, but we want to actually get them some of these answers that they have a hard time mm-hmm. getting. So we talked in the magazine, we talked to, like, some amazing experts. Uh, one of my favorite people, Shelly Zalis, who runs girls' lounges at big events all around the country. And has a company called The Female Quotient, which does research. And that's who we worked with to do research for the book. Um, We talked to some top dermatologists. We talked to Dr. Emily Morse. Um, We talked to the the host of another one of my favorite podcasts. Obviously, my favorite podcast is this one. Right, obviously. I was going to say, don't be like Um, making me jealous. um, But Anne-Marie Cox, Friends Like These, has a podcast, talks about like how to talk to friends whom you disagree with politically. Mm. And so at this live event we're doing on the 24th, we're going to have some of those people there and kind of create opportunities for you to kind of get comfortable talking about these things and even if you're not, get some answers. So I want everyone RN to go to Cosmopolitan.com. Let's talk to check it out, get more deets about the event. But what do you say we give people a little preview and call up some of our friends RN. That sounds good. And um, just to mention, of course, Elisa and I will be there. We'll be there. And we want to see you. We, oh, my God. We should host a podcast there. Oh, my God. We should. Oh, my God. <gasps> that was like a real idea I just had on the air. There are rainbows and stars coming out of Elisa's <laughs> eyes right now. Right now and really all the time. But anyway, let's jump on the phone. Let's talk to some of our friends. I already said RN like four times in one sentence, so I'm not going to say that again. But like, let's just get to it. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Our next guest is the author of The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck and Get Your Shit Together, two bu- books you definitely need to read ASAP if everything in life stresses you out. She also gave a TEDx talk about not giving an F, Insight to the Art of Caring Less and Getting More, which you can watch online now. Welcome, Sarah Knight. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Where are you calling in from? I am in Las Terrenas in the Dominican Republic. What? That is so much better than where we are. Right. I wouldn't give any fucks either if I was in the Dominican Republic. Right. (laughs) And wait, so how did you... I'm not going to lie. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. Wait, do you live there? I do. Oh, can, all right, Alisa. You need to do a whole other podcast Where on we, like remote on location, or uh, remote on location, or when people like Sarah explain to us like what we're doing wrong and how they are doing what they're doing. Right, in right. The Dominican Republic. Um, well, you know where to find me. Okay, good. <laughs> Perfect. So in your book, The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck, you explain the moment of having a panic attack at work that ultimately led to you realizing you weren't happy with your career in life and had to make some changes. You know, I think that is such a common story. So many women push themselves into total states of exhaustion or mental distress before they feel allowed to take a step back and actually, like, say, I feel stressed out. You know, why do you think that's so common for women? And just to jump in, in the research we did um, where we 
you know, talk to millennial women to find out what they had the hardest time talking about and most wanted support on and didn't know how to get it. Number one thing was depression, anxiety, and or stress. Number two was being present. Number three, feeling guilty for their emotions. And then it was ish, friend issues was the next like wow two. so that's, that's a really uh, real long list of bullshit that we <laughs> yeah. have to put up with isn't it right so sarah what is your um, opinion well, on that so you know i'll tell you that um you know psychologists of which i am not one but i have read a bunch of them uh they will tell you that as children girls are socialized to keep the peace to not hurt anyone's feelings, to smooth everything over. That's sort of the primary criteria of uh, socialization in young girls. And boys are socialized to win. So, you know, this is a dynamic that really, I think, leads to adult women taking on more and more at work or in their private lives before they finally reach a breaking point because they are really socialized to put everyone else before themselves and you know you just don't you just don't realize until it's happening to you that you are in fact broken the the straw has has broken the camel's back and it's time to get help so if you don't realize that you're broken what's a girl to do well i think uh that ultimately you will figure it out um as i did you know i ignored a lot of warning signs Mm. there was a point at which i thought that i must have but my new bra was too tight, and that was why I couldn't breathe very well. Um, you know, and eventually when, you know, everything came to pass and I had these panic attacks and I went to an actual doctor and they explained to me how the whole system works, I was like, oh, yeah, so not my bra. Not my bra. <laughs> you know, there's, Words to there's definitely something, something bigger, you know, wrong here. And it's just, it's unfortunate that it's such a taboo because... You know, I personally didn't get help um, because I felt the stigma of being crazy, of of Mm -hmm. thinking it's all in my head. Um, I can't admit that I'm having a hard time here. I can't drop any of these balls that I'm, you know, expertly juggling in the air because I need to move ahead in my career and I need to, you know, be successful and I need to not give anybody any reason to think that I'm not worthy of that success. And so, you know, I think that it's, uh, you know, mental illness is not something that's easy for people to talk about. And I'm really glad that I finally started talking about it because I think it's important. And, And Sarah, I love your anecdote about thinking your bra was too tight. And since you have started talking about this, do you find that girls are so many of the women that you're connecting with have their own version of that story? Like, I would assume you just hear that all the time. Oh, yes. And, you know, and again, I'm not a doctor, but I found out all kinds of interesting things about the human body mm-hmm. that I've been able to share with people and have them go, oh, my God, that happened to me, too. You know, your your system is really overcompensating for all of the panic that you're feeling. And so shortness of breath is one thing. Stomach aches are another thing. Headaches are another thing. Yeah. I've had a headache for like a week um, straight. <laughs> breaking out into hives, you know, and a lot of people are like, oh, it must be, you know, maybe I'm allergic to my laundry detergent or I mm. guess I'm suddenly developing, you know, hay fever symptoms. No. Um, I mean, I'm sure sometimes that is the case, <laughs> but like so many of these things happen and we don't realize because not enough people talk about it that they all come back to stress and anxiety. But I guess I'm also just curious, like you learn you know what to prioritize and what is you know demonstrating what way in your body but like how do you learn to advocate for your own happiness yeah that's the million dollar question yeah i mean i think you have to experience the lowest of the lows i mean it's sort of like um you know any anybody who's been battling an addiction will tell you that you have to hit rock bottom And once you realize that that is not a place you want to be anymore, then you can start working on, you know, getting better. And in my book, I, you know, I talk about how you have to prioritize joy over annoy because, you know, my first book is a parody of Marie Kondo's decluttering guide, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And she always talks about holding on to what brings you joy. Well, in the life-changing magic of not giving a fuck, I talk about getting rid of the stuff that annoys you. 
And so that's really like when you realize that you can no longer show up at work every day and be worried about passing out in front of your boss and your colleagues because you're having a panic attack, Mm -hmm. that's pretty high level annoyance right there. And you need to start doing something about it. But what about when it's not like acute or critical? When it's just like a slow burn of of terrible. Yeah. (laughs) This is such an uplifting conversation we're having. Yeah, I mean, that's where I think talking about it is really important because somebody who's listening to this podcast, for example, might realize that what they thought was just a slow burn of like an upset stomach all the time might actually be acute anxiety. And, you know, I'll give another example, which is that for a number of years in my early 30s, I never wanted to go out and do anything. And my husband would be like, okay, like, let's go do this, you know, let's go to this party or let's go out to dinner with people or let's go take a walk. And I would just say, I don't feel good. Like, I just don't feel good. And I just thought I had kind of like a persistent, like, stomach ache, you know, mm-hmm. that I was just kind of like a little bit nauseous and a little bit unwell all the time. And when I finally, you know, looked into anxiety, I realized that that physical manifestation was actually because of my stress levels. It wasn't because I just had, like, a constant, you know, tummy right. ache. Like, so I think the more that people talk about this, the more that somebody who's experiencing it might realize, oh, that's me. That's what's wrong mm-hmm. with me. And Sarah, I want to ask you really quickly before we have to let you go, because I know that we had really great advice from you in the magazine about friendship. And I think that's important to bring up in this conversation because we often think of our friends as being the stress relief from work or from the other things in our life. But as Laura mentioned, when we did this survey, we found that this sort of anxiety around being a bad friend or feeling very guilty about being a bad friend is a real issue for many of our readers. So, so you know, what would you say to that girl who feels like the thing in her life that's supposed to be bringing her happiness and stress release has actually also become a source of anxiety? Well, I think that, you know, because you can choose your friends, you know, unlike your family, it automatically puts more pressure on the relationship because you have to hold up your end of the bargain, and so do they. You know, with your family, people tend to think it's kind of no matter what, you know, you're always going to be there for me, and so they let a lot of bad behavior slide. And I think with friendships, it's harder to let that behavior slide when you're on the receiving end of it. Mm -hmm. And then also it just puts a lot of pressure on you to give of yourself to those friends. Mm -hmm. And what I would say is that the the best friendships and the best relationships out there are the ones that are a real equal give and take. And if you find yourself feeling guilty or obligated or feeling kind of ashamed that you're not giving enough attention to a particular friend, you can stop and ask yourself, you know, are they demanding too much of me? Because it's a two-way street. You know, I think that it's important to be there for your friends and to do nice things for them and to support them in their endeavors. But if there's somebody who's demanding much more of you than you would ever demand of yourself, then that's maybe when you need to think perhaps this friendship is more a source of stress than it is a source than of stress relief yeah. and maybe get out of it. So just like you need to take a look at whether your bra really is too tight and whether <laughs> your stomach really is hurting for weeks straight, you should also take a look at those friendships and decide if they're working for you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. That's it was such so good such such amazing. Um, I already feel like I am giving even fewer bucks than I did before, so it's all working. <laughs> I appreciate it so much, and we'll have you back on again soon. Great, that's what I like to hear. And have side note, Elisa and I ran an event last week, and my bra felt too tight the whole time. <laughs> it was bothering me, and now I put the same bra on today, and it was fine. It was fine. It was totally fine. So mm-hmm. now um, things are coming together. Things are all coming together. <laughs> Thanks so Words much, Sarah. Of wisdom. <laughs> Talk soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. 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 Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. 
I wanted to share with you all today a new product that has really helped me lately with reducing the appearance of a scar on my skin. The number one doctor and pharmacist recommended brand Mederma. Mederma Advanced Scar Gel is the only one-time-per-day scar care product that is clinically shown to reduce the appearance of scars, making the product cost-effective and convenient. Other scar care products may appear cost-effective at first, but they must be applied multiple times per day, which basically defeats the purpose of saving money and time. Plus, their new Mederma Quick Dry Oil is a brand new formulation on the market, and it helps improve the appearance of skin, scars, and stretch marks. It is multi-purpose. It serves several functions, as you can use it for scars and stretch marks, as well as keeping your skin hydrated. It's great to use on skin imperfections, but you can also use it daily as part of your skincare routine, which I do every morning. So go grab Mederma today. You can find it in the first aid aisle of any major retailer. Just because I love these products so much, I'll say them again. That is Mederma Advanced Scar Gel and their awesome new product, Mederma Quick Dry Oil. Grab Mederma from the first aid aisle today. Our next guest is the first female chief executive ranked in the research industry's top 25 and is the founder and CEO of The Female Quotient, serving as a voice and destination for addressing equality in the workplace. She is on a mission to build stronger, more successful businesses by working to advance equality and equal opportunity in the workplace. The Female Quotient partnered with Cosmopolitan to create the survey for this series, and here to talk about the results is CEO Shelly Zalis. Hi, Shelly. Hi, how are you? Good. You are always in some fabulous location. Where are you calling in from now? <laughs> the best place in the world, Las Vegas. Sorry, oh. Sorry. Are you um, gambling good. up a storm? <laughs> you know what? I'm really, you know, here we're doing a girls' lounge for Nickelodeon at the licensing show, bringing women and toys together and in licensing. So it's pretty exciting. That sounds so fun. Yes. We, we bring women and toys together, too. <laughs> We have a badass billboard on the strip with girl power. So really? Oh, yeah. That's so awesome. That yeah. So I am just going to give my own little personal intro to this, that when we were doing this whole idea of this package of finding ways to encourage women to use their voice more and speak up, one of the women that has most helped me do that in life is Shelly. Aw. And Aww. it's so true. So... I said, okay, we need to do original research, and the only people we can do it with is Shelly and her team at the Female Quotient. And that was what we did. That's so nice. And here we are. I think think that's also another really big trend is just women supporting women and, and working together. And that is just a true testament of being a girlfriend, even in business. So thank you for that, Laura. Back at you. Oh, yeah, always. You taught me. Wait, Laura, I want to put you on the spot a little, like turning the tables. These questions were supposed to be for Shelly, but now I want to ask you one. Do you, what, like, be more specific. What has Shelly sort of, do you remember a piece of advice she's given you that really has resonated with you over the years? I think Shelly just created, what Shelly does is create opportunities for women. And when a year and a half ago, I met her for the first time and she said, I am bringing a group of women to the World Economic Forum. You need to come. You and Cosmo need to come. And then created like a place for me to like have a voice in this conversation. It was incredible. And just hearing her is just inspiring. And and I will say, Shelly, for people who aren't familiar with what you do with the Girls' Lounge, which is setting up physical spaces, oftentimes in these, I think, male-dominated environments. But it mm-hmm. is interesting in the sense that we talk about creating opportunities or creating spaces for women, and you're doing that in a very physical and real way, which is kind of like a literal space where women can hang out at South by Southwest or any of the amazing yeah. other places that you pop up. The first one was CES, <laughs> right? Yeah. The first one was CES, and I just want to add one thing to what Laura just said, because this goes back to girlfriends supporting one another. I call Laura and say, we got invited to the World Economic Forum, and I'm freaking out. I don't want to go by myself. It's too scary. And she said, I'm coming with you. (laughs) So I just want to specify that it really was feeling like a minority but once my girlfriends came and we worked together, we felt and acted like the majority. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always say a woman alone can have power, but together we have impact. And mm-hmm. that's how we've been impacting change totally together. We're all in it together. Ugh, I love that. I love that. Well, when we did, we did this research with you and your team, 
And as you know, we looked at kind of issues that women have a hard time getting support and information about and talking about around a few different topics, happiness, image, sex, and our favorite, power. Um, And one of the big things was kind of, you know, not being comfortable with their level of ambition, worrying that they were too ambitious or not ambitious enough. And, you know, that's something that I think you gave us really great advice on and about how women can kind of learn to like own their ambition, whatever that is. Yeah, I I think it's really, you know, a, a generation that believes in themselves and doesn't want to have taboo topics. They want to talk about things that are on their mind from the good, bad and the ugly. And, you know, it was really interesting when we asked millennial women, you know, which taboo topics most resonated. And they talked about, you know, image and power and happiness and sex and things that we wouldn't naturally associate, um, you know, traditional, you know, generations feeling or talking about. And they want to open it all up and, and put it all out there. And I think also, most importantly, redefine, you know, what success is and redefine what power is and redefine what happiness is. Because happiness to this generation is also talking about their negative feelings, not being ashamed or afraid to share them. So Mm -hmm. I think it really is a whole new definition of redefinition. Hmm. Do you see the tide changing? Do you think, you know, it is easier or kind of more welcome for women to talk about real things? Have you seen things change in terms of that? Well, I think that, you know, the lines are blurring a lot um, with online and offline. I think having this online offline existence has made um, everyone feel more comfortable to share, you know, what they really feel and, you know, to share their opinions, their experiences, um, and to create these communities Um, that can, you know, relate. I don't think it's about demographic profiling. I really do think it's about psychographic, you know, behavior graphic profiling. It really is creating communities based on passion and purpose. So social media, essentially, and that feeling of community is actually helping us sort of like chip away at these taboos. I think it's just like, you know, what the Girl Sound is really all about. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have a community, when you have the collective you know, and you're all the same, you feel way more powerful and way more open and honest to share your feelings because you know you're surrounded by people that feel just like you do. Yeah. And, you know, that taboo topic is just so true. We just think we're not supposed to talk about it. But if we're all together talking about it, it becomes the new norm and it becomes okay. Yeah, and it and it it's helps. A very empowering moment. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. And it's empowering, right? It, it like if you talk about something you're more powerful than whatever that is. Yeah, and that's because you're talking about it, yeah. you know. It's the more you bring these things to the visibility and you know to the to the front and center, the more normal it seems. It only seems not normal when you make it so unacceptable. I mean, even in the girls lounge, you know, I we have hair and makeup and you know, professional styling and nails even though most importantly we have these important power authentic unplugged conversations but why should we apologize you know for being women and mm-hmm. bringing our feminine characteristics to the table and this millennial generation they believe in redefining femininity they're proud of it they want to bring that front and center and the more you bring it front and center the more accepted it becomes yeah i mean that was one, that's one of the things that we're hitting on with this event, that kind of women are expected to look a certain way, but aren't supposed to talk about, aren't supposed to act vain, or aren't supposed to talk about maybe the work that goes into looking a certain way, and the sort of catch-22 of that. Well, you know, I also think that, you know, this generation, you know, they want to look their best, but they don't want it to be permanent, you know, in any way, and I think that's why... You know, they talk about doing things that make them feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about what you look like on the outside. It is how you feel on the inside. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whatever little things that it takes from pampering to, you know, easy, um, not permanent things, they're they're all about that. They're not afraid to admit that that's, that's exciting and interesting for them. 
Shelly, I want to ask you a question about this idea that we started on about sort of owning your ambition and owning your power. I think sometimes that can be a tricky um I think that can be tricky for millennials because there can also be a reputation of millennials being entitled or um, so how do you sort of reconcile or what advice do you give to a girl who like wants to sort of own her ambition and wants to be ambitious in the workplace, but maybe is afraid of coming across as seeming like she isn't willing to pay her dues? Well, I think that, you know, entitlement I think that's a real misconception about um, millennials, you know, the Mm. whole um, they're entitled. I think that's, you know, part of one of the challenges. I think when millennials are talking about power, you know, they want to really control their own future. You know, the previous generations, you know, the traditional generations really have all been, you know, it's the man's job. The man brings home the bacon. And, you know, this generation is really about owning their own future, owning their own power. Not that they're not great partners, but Mm -hmm. they really want to control, you know, their destiny. And they're very interested in discussing and learning more about disposable income. You know, my generation never talked about that Mm. with their salaries, their debt. Mm. You know, they also really want to talk about investments and finances. We do so much financial coaching, financial boot camps for millennials just to be able to teach them how to own their destiny with their finances. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's, you know, do you have too much ambition, too little ambition? I think that that's really important to be comfortable with who you are. And if you do want to have power and be a successful business executive, you know, you've got to just own that, not look at anyone else that's judging you, mm. you know, or has that judgmental mindset, which might be a different generation. So ambition is ambition is like orgasms. You you can never have enough. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that orgasms come back to the owning your future. You know, they they, they don't do. Want to yeah, <laughs> they do. They they want to talk about the fact that they can, you know, take care of themselves and they don't have to de- be dependent on someone else. Even though being with someone else is probably incredibly pleasurable, but you know, sex is one of those you know millennial topics where they want to you know, really express um, an interest in their own self-pleasure. And I think that that's, you know, really um, a very important thing for millennials. And they don't want to just talk about their partner's body parts and, you know, satisfying, you know, their partner. Well, I think it's part of claiming being a whole person is being a multidimensional person. Mm-hmm. And that means you can be a baller at work and you can and also end in the bedroom. <laughs> and, you know, you can want a good sex life and want to be successful and want to, like, look and feel good. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Shelly, for taking time out of hanging out on the Vegas Strip to talk to us about all the taboo things. And so glad we got some convo about orgasms in there because it wouldn't be a Cosmo conversation without it. Yeah. Thank well, you. I want to thank Cosmo for, for talking, you know, having taboo topics as really a feature because I think it's just so important for every generation to make every conversation important, relevant, and and must-haves. Yes. Yes. A oh, good um, note. Okay. <laughs> thanks so much, Shelly. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. I know I'm not the only person out in the world who is a terrible cook and also has no time to ever grocery shop ever, but that is why I'm so obsessed with Blue Apron. I do it with my roommate. We've become completely addicted. Um, It's so fun to plan our menu from all the amazing options that they give you every week and have it delivered straight to your door. My favorite part about it is that the recipes are so easy to follow that even if you're totally a cooking dummy like I am, you can figure out how to make it work. Slash like kind of make your roommate do all the work, but like help do the easy things like peeling carrots. Um, It's super fun. The food is so delicious and they never repeat a menu items. You're getting different things every single time you try it, which is like part of what makes it so exciting and fun. Another thing that I really love about Blue Apron is that they are obsessed with using fresh, high quality ingredients 
they want you to know where all your food comes from. If you're like me, if you are sort of used to that way of eating anyway, it's really cool to feel like you can recreate that in your own kitchen for less than $10 per person per meal. I feel like I've cooked things I never would have even thought about or dreamed about before. There's a reason that everybody is talking about Blue Apron and obsessed with it. I promise, promise, promise you guys will like it. You can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com Cosmo. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com Cosmo. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. Dr. Emily Morse is a sex and relationship expert and host of the top downloaded podcast, Sex with Emily. She helps millions of struggling singles and couples achieve the sex and relationships they desire by encouraging honest communication and promoting sexual confidence. Emily earned her Doctorate of Human Sexuality from the Institute for the Advanced Study of Human Sexuality in San Francisco and received her BA in Psychology from University of Michigan. In addition to being featured as the go-to guest expert on relationships and sex for countless mainstream media channels, Emily is the author of the popular book, Hot Sex, Over 200 Things You Can Try Tonight. (laughs) Hi, Emily. How are you? Hi. I'm so good. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. um, Of course. So we are talking all about this feature that we put together in the magazine that's all about sort of deconstructing these taboos, which was based on original um, research that Cosmo did. And you're here to talk about the fun part which are breaking yeah. down the taboos sex, taboos. sex. sex yes. taboos let's do it let's do it so um starting off with the throwing a statistic your way so according to the cleveland clinic only 10 percent of women climax easily so how can ladies listening articulate to their partner what they want and need to climax because that was the number one thing that they told yeah. us they have a hard time <laughs> talking yes and that's so I mean I love this because we're putting some numbers behind it I always you know it's very true most women this is one of the top questions I get asked on my podcast over 12 years women are like I don't understand why I can't climax what's the problem and so really where it starts is they have to figure out what they want first mm-hmm. a lot of women believe that someday my prince will come and so will I that there's going to be some guy that rides up on a white horse and he's like, here you go, babe. I've got the keys to your kingdom and I can figure out what, what you need. But until women take that time for pleasuring themselves, masturbation, and they figure it out on their own, that is, that is, the, that is the most direct route, okay? And now you might have a partner. So step that one, masturbate. Through, Which masturbate, is also hard for women one. to talk about. Like, I feel like boys are, it's expected that they masturbate. And it's kind of has not been part of the, like, story for girls and young women. Right. Yeah. We're not taught, we're not, I mean, we're not taught much about sex education in schools except for, you know, what not to do. Right. But I really wish there would be more of a dialogue around pleasure. Yeah. Because mm. sex is about pleasure. And if they talk about that, they're like, listen, it's totally healthy to masturbate. Here's what it means. Because it just sets women up for a much healthier overall sexual health and wellness for a lifetime. And it never stops. Even once you figure out, then there's like so many other paths to pleasure that you'll, you'll learn your body. So the first step is masturbation and understanding what, what, how, how you get there. It could be through you know, your hand. And it takes time, too. So if you've never climaxed or it's not easy, I promise it'll get easier. It, you know, I have tons of blog posts and meet guys too on Cosmo and on my website talking to women, but really using lube is really important. I think like adding a few drops of lube, like before you start masturbating, if just a few drops to your clitoris, it does not self-lubricate, but it does mimic natural female lubrication. That helps women using toys, just experimenting and without an end goal, because it might take you a week, a month, it's okay, but you'll get there. But once you figure it out, you know, it really is important to explain it to, for women to explain it to their partners because our partners are not mind readers, okay? They don't know what we want, and they might assume, like they often do, that what worked with a previous partner is going to work with you, but what they don't realize is that, you know, women were like snowflakes, right? You put 100 women in a room, they're all going to be masturbating differently. Like, they would all do something different. So what's a partner to do? That's why you have to be able to figure it out. And then once you know, then you're just like, you show them. You show them in the bedroom. You're like, hey, it would be great if I had more, like, because the reason why a lot of them don't climax easily, especially during intercourse, because they just don't get enough clitoral stimulation. So they might need That's fingers, real. a toy, a tongue, all that stuff. And they really just, you know, it's about showing them. And I think 
part of people really appreciate it they want to know people they want to please you they want to know i do think that's true i think most people want to pleasure their partner in bed so i think most people are receptive to feedback but in some cases you know if you're like sort of hooking up with the same person Mm -hmm. again and again i feel like it feels a little easier to build that confidence and comfort level with you but what about like what if this is not necessarily (laughs) a repeat situation exactly like what do you say one night stand or a friend yeah Yeah, you know what? Even better. I'm telling you, I want women to be, you know, my mission is for women to be more empowered sexually. We all know the guy's going to have his. So why can't you during a what just say, hey, I'm with you here for a night or for a week. It doesn't matter, 10 minutes. But climb on top. Take his hand and put him where you need it. Like, just take take yours. You know, I think a lot of women, like, take a bullet. They're like, oh, yeah, it'll be fun to have a good story, but I'm not going to have any pleasure. Right. And, 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 And so that could, I say just like, you know, take, do what you need to do that to have that orgasm and to have that pleasure. Now, I understand that. It Wait, might not I want to hit pause for one second and just actually because yeah. I think what you said is really important. The idea of like climbing on top or moving mm-hmm. his hand. I sort of like that advice because it's not even necessarily about saying anything, which can feel right. a little awkward. But to actually just like With literally show him. Just With do someone it. I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think that they're like, thank well, God. Actions can I don't know speak for you. Yes. I think that they know what they're doing, but they're probably like, oh, good. Do what you need to do because I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm right. having a good time. This feels great to me. So that's what I want, you know, women to do. But the talking thing. Okay. So that's like the next thing is like, why is it so hard to talk about if you are in a relationship, you know? And, and I think it's because we, it's such a difficult conversation because not only are we not taught to how to have sex. And we're not taught how to talk about sex. Mm-hmm. And it's like a muscle. Like, it's, it's like we have to get practice talking about it. And once you learn to talk about it, it's going to become so much easier. I always say communication is a lubrication. Because the more comfortable <laughs> you get talking about like it, like you're yeah. definitely going to be having better sex. You didn't quote me on that. No, but it's true. And so it might be awkward. But I think the best times to talk about sex with your partner, like if it's you know, not necessarily in the in the moment is great too, but if you're like you've been wanting to try something or something more, like outside the bedroom, not in the bedroom. So, like, do you mean like at brunch? Yep. Okay. Ab- absolutely at brunch or at dinner or you know what else is great when you're on a road trip or going for a walk because then you're like yes, you're still intimate, don't have to stare him. You're not face making to face. eye contact. You know, I'm a big fan contact. of that, of the plane ride or the car ride yeah. talk where yeah. like whatever it's about, it's like you're both kind of like sitting parallel. Right, <laughs> right, right. Whatever you got to do. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Just get it out. You can be like, you know what? This is kind of weird for me, but I love the sex. You know, make it, keep it light. It's not like this is what you don't want to do. We need to talk. Mm. Right. No one wants to hear we need to talk. It's like, hey, We've been having sex for a while. It's so great. I'm so turned on by you. And I just thought we should, like, talk about it. Because, like, I think there's so much fun we could continue to have. And I was thinking, blank, whatever you want to talk about. You know what I mean? Right. And let them talk. What have you been thinking? What would be fun, you know? Right. Like, I was thinking you don't really understand the concept of foreplay. (laughs) Oh, Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, wait. Okay, but that's that a real was, question. I went negative. You I went, went negative. negative. You went oh negative. No, that don't. may or may not they be don't. based on true life experience. Uh? <laughs> I just saw the best book. It was like a, um, it's like a book for breakups. It's hilarious. It's a coloring book of like things you could color. And it said, one of the pictures was, it was like words. It says, it's called the clitoris. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Mm-hmm. So Seriously. Favorite, right? Foreplay. What is it? Foreplay, yeah. not a suggestion, a requirement for women. It's a requirement, and you deserve foreplay. We all do. Okay, but seriously, um, how? what would be your script for, like, bringing that up to someone? Okay. Because, like, so, if a man doesn't understand what it is, he probably, like, he doesn't even know what that means. Like, exactly. me laying out for him, like, right. starting my boobs. Yeah. Right. And let me tell you something. That is the best question, because here's where we get into a rut. There's a lot of women who are like, okay. I told him I need more foreplay and he's not doing it. And so I'm pissed. Or I told him that I wanted this. He doesn't do it. First of all, let's talk about the fact that changing a behavior and learning a new skill takes time just because you asked for it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's going to change overnight and, gonna add, and it's going to change from one request. But number two, they might not even know what that means. Like right. you said, mm-hmm. they might be like, well, what do we made out? What do you mean? And so I think it comes, you got to be able to explain it and be like, you know what? I really, you know, again, compliment sandwich. So enjoy the sex we're having. I'm so still turned on from Saturday night. And you know what really turns me on is 
when we just like make when we like make out and like we go we slow down and like I have these fantasies about you undressing me really slowly and then mm. I'm watching you and then you know you like are slowly taking off my you know slow is the key word here I always tell men go three times slower than you think they <laughs> this, is, like, this is me, good it sounded good yeah yeah I also feel like maybe like a, not that you would really do this, but I feel like men need sort of like a spreadsheet, like this amount of minutes, this, this amount of minutes. Oh my God. I'm so thinking of that friend scene where they show the erogenous zones. Do you remember the episode I, that I'm talking about? I have seen every episode of Friends and, and until like, someone and mentions two. it. And then and I'm like, one I have two. no idea. And a one two. When she's like touching all the places. <laughs> That's that what they need. Oh, so maybe just like yeah, circulate that do. clip. Yeah, maybe. Okay. That's what I do on my show. Yeah, no, you're right. It's like, they do. Because like, it's funny because one of my co-hosts is always like, okay, Emily, but how long? How long? Like men want to know, like, <laughs> can, do I set my alarm for 20 minutes? Like, what, what do I do? Right. It's and not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea, but it's also about being in the moment and being right. present and paying oh, right. attention. That. Because what they don't realize is the longer that they take to really please her, like her breath will quicken. She'll, you'll know that she's turned on and that she's getting there. Like tease her. I mean, God, the lost art of the tease. Like yeah. don't go right for her hot spots. Don't grab her breath. Don't go right. <laughs> grab her crotch. You know, we're not even turned on yet. Don't like grab I said, her pussy. Like, we, yeah. Don't, don't grab her pussy. Definitely do don't not. Don't grab her pussy. No. Just because our president did it doesn't mean it's okay for you to do it. Right. Yeah. Definitely does exactly. not. Exactly. You, know you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, and I think it's because my heart goes out to men because they don't learn this. Plus, the way we are wired, they're aroused. They're so turned on by you because they find you so sexy and so desirable. They just want to grab you and get get in there. And it's like, slow down. Take a few deep breaths and like work your way through it because that 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 slowness and that desire, even if they like undress you slowly and they touch, they they caress your thighs, they caress your inner thighs, your butt, you're like they they maybe they touch you for a second, but they retreat and then they go up your body, get it down. You will be begging for it, which is their best case scenario that you're like, let's go. But it just takes some patience and some slowness and some, you know, not that there's always room for a quickie, but I'm saying when you really want to do it right, that's what you got to do and pay attention because she's going to tell you what she, what her body will be, you know, will tell you. And it's practice too. Like I don't expect, you know, every guy, I think they do get nervous. They don't know what it means, but you know, you can educate yourself for sure. You can read books, read Cosmo, listen to my podcast, but it also takes practice. And, so, and I will say to like, do something I rarely do, which is like give men the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I do think there is that sort of assumption that men are in the role of being the initiator in bed. So I do yeah. sort of feel for them. I think most men, even if they have no idea what they're doing, and most of them have no idea what they're doing, they also sort of feel like they need to be like driving the boat a little yeah. bit. So right. like that's kind of and hard. And yeah, no, you have yeah. to take some responsibility for your own yeah. pleasure. Yeah. Exactly. You guys are so right. I used to think that too. I remember when I first started, like, you know, my early 20s, I was like so disappointed. I literally thought that men just like read some manual somewhere and they would, they sent guys out to some private school where they just knew they should just know how to please me. Like, I was so confused by it. You know, right. you just think they come equipped and they, they don't. So my heart goes out to them. They have to initiate, mm-hmm. they right. have to ask the data. But they don't know, they don't. especially like, you know, younger guys like, oh, that's not true. I've actually been with older guys who don't know either. Yeah. yeah. Guys never learn. So, you know, it's, it's like you're doing them a favor. And I actually men think will younger look at guys you as, are better think, about it. Mm-hmm. That they're what? They're, I think younger guys are almost better about it. I think like they're like a little more kind of we're at a younger age. The idea that like you had to focus on this and engage a woman um, right. was more of a thing for them than yeah. older. Maybe. Can maybe. I, yeah, maybe, maybe it is. Yeah, sure. Can I just say, this isn't even a question. It's just an embarrassing confession about my own life, <laughs> but this feels like the right time to share it. I was dating yeah. this guy who I'm no longer dating, so now I can totally shit talk him on the podcast. Nice. But he was, that. yeah, he was so bad in bed that like the first time we really hooked up, I was like... Came home and I was telling my roommate about it. This is my comparison. I was like, it was like one of those massage chairs at the nail salon oh. where it like 
sort of feels good, but is also not even remotely the same as a real massage. <laughs> it's like, that was what it was like. Oh, my God. Like, things were moving, but everything was wrong. Everything exactly. was wrong. They're oh, like, my God. They're like, how about this? And all of a sudden, your arm starts moving, and your back, and then they have that like, thing that comes in the back, it digs into your back. Oh, my God, something. I hate yeah, that thing. Like, yes. They always want to put it on. I'm always like, no, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. no exactly. Right. No one wants that. It's not the same as a real massage anyway. Right. You're um, so wait, right. Can I take it Right. Yeah. He didn't know what he was doing, and he was probably nervous. So I think that there's so much anxiety during sex for men that they're flailing around and they're trying to get a reaction, but then they just, oh God, they're flailing. so in their heads and they're, they're poking around. Yeah. Oh my God! Oh my but God! But now, like, what would you like? Do you know what you would have told him? Like, in the have you did you ever try uh, to talk to him about it? Oh, we kind I of, think bye, boy. I basically. know we did kind of try to talk about it, but yeah, now it's just like moving on to someone who's who's right. better in bed. Good. Uh, and people who are like, open to learning is great. A guy who's like, listen, I want to know what what makes you happy because it's like a feedback loop. That you know, yeah. hopefully, smart guys know who know more about this. They get right. that if they please her, it's going to come back to them in spades. You'll get that blowjob. You'll get that amazing sex. <laughs> mm-hmm. but just turn her on. Like there's an art to it, and everyone can master it because there. I mean, yes, everyone was different, but also there's just some basic like. You know, like kiss her neck and, and foreplay and like oral sex and all that stuff. But if you are paying attention and you're going slow and you're looking for signs from her, you could tell, like, I'm sure if he was like that massage chair, he probably would be looked up and see you wincing, you know? <laughs> oh God. But wait, I want to take it away so from the great. physical for a second okay. to like what, you know, a lot of, I think what engages a lot of women happens in their mind, not just physically. Mm. And another thing that women said they had a hard time talking about were fantasies, porn, fluid attractions, like kind of the things that turn them on in their head, not just the physical things. Right. And I wanted to, yeah, just talk about like getting okay with that and like, okay. That's yeah. I'm so I'm a kind of obsessed with talking about fantasies lately because I feel like it's so underplayed and so misunderstood. So, okay, there's two kinds of fantasies, right? I mean, there's the fantasies that we just like to fantasize about that turns us on. We don't actually want it to happen in real life. And then there's the fantasies that we're like, oh, that'd be really nice to kind of try it or like part of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you might be thinking about having sex with six guys or whatever it is, but you're mm-hmm. like, oh, but I could have, you know, we're tying you up. You could be like, I could have my partner do it. So really it's like getting clear with, you know, what you actually want to happen and what you don't. And it's not that you can't share both of them. It's just that, you know, when you're expressing fantasies, it's, it's, it's okay. Be okay with your fantasies because women who have the more sexual fantasies, and there have been so many studies on this, that the more sexual fantasies, fantasies a woman has, um, the more comfortable they are with fantasies, the more robust their fantasies are, the more sexual desire they will experience and the more confidence yeah. and healthier sex life they're going to have because our brain is a large sex organ. Like, that's what's going to turn us on. Mm. Like, if we sit, so sometimes women, I think they, we're, great, we're not even thinking about sex and then our partner wants to have sex. We're like, it's the last thing on our mind. I'm finishing up work. I'm doing the laundry. I'm, it's a million other things. Yeah. But if you become like comfortable with your fantasies and what they are and talking about them, so you know, you will. So and it's completely healthy and it's normal. I encourage women to like cultivate a healthy fantasy life. Like even like through masturbation, if you if you don't have one, like watch porn, like read erotica, all that stuff. And then once you, and then your question is about how do you get comfortable talking about it? Mm-hmm. It's just like I think it's a great like again, not in the bedroom necessarily, but you can say, you know what. I love the sex we're having, and I've had this crazy fantasy. I keep thinking about it could be something that's already happened. You know, I keep thinking about that time we were on vacation in Mexico, and we were outdoors, and that guy, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. the, the, the almost came up and saw us on the beach, and that totally turns me on that we almost got caught, and it was the warm sun. You know what I mean? You could just like, yeah, let know I know what you mean. About it. Like, yeah, like, and you're like, yeah. You're like, yeah. that'd be fun to try. What do you fantasize about? You know, is there anything you've been wanting to try? Yeah. Um, and I think it's just like, I think I, they love to hear that. They love to hear that we're, we're sexual beings, that we're thinking about sex, and there's like no shame in the fantasy game. I mean, mm-hmm. I just think that that it's like, wow, really? Like, I, I really think that a healthy partner would be like so excited that you were thinking about sex and you were turned on um, by something that has to do with, you know, with them. So even if it wasn't them, <laughs> it was another guy. So you can, there's no, you don't need to know, even if you fantasize about your ex, you guys, that's not a problem. 
You don't have okay. to tell that part. Own your fantasy. <laughs> own your fantasies and don't judge yourself. Be happy that you're having them. So I think because if we, yeah, if we started with step one, masturbate. Step two, yeah. basically don't be afraid to talk about it Wait, with your like partner. I feel step one might be though, like figuring out what actually turns you on. Because yeah. I think a yeah. lot of women, I have a lot of married friends that this was like five years ago. They read Fifty Shades of Grey. It's not even that that was so good. It was just like the first time they'd ever read anything smutty. Right. right. And suddenly they were like, hey, to oh, their yeah, husband. smut for all. Yeah. So yeah. Like, is it reading an anthology or watching an anthology to see like what actually turns I on? love how you made it sound so boring. You're like reading an anthology. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So yeah, that's some erotica. Do the, yeah, erotica. That yeah. sounds more fun. Erotica. It's so true though, you guys. I mean, that, that's what was so amazing about Fifty Shades of Grey that women thought like what was po- they were getting these feelings in their body they might not have had in years since mm-hmm. they got married or in a relationship and it, yeah, it wasn't necessarily they wanted Christian, Dre in a re- Christian Grey in a red room of pain although maybe they did mm-hmm. but it was just like opening up their minds to what's possible and if they could translate and be like I was reading Fifty Shades of Grey and I think it would be really hot if we got a blindfold mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and you blindfolded me I mean it could just be that but that's a great jumping off point even just finding one thing and then expanding on it and when you masturbate like I'm going to read erotica or I'm going to watch a little bit of porn and I'm going to surf around and see what turns me on mm-hmm. because then you'll start to have your own like bevy of like fantasy and resources and then you'll figure out there's some probably com- core themes that come up for you and I promise you, you'll desire sex more, you'll be having better sex. It's a huge part of it. I, I don't feel, think that people understand it. Yeah, I feel very excited by this entire conversation. <laughs> yeah, You know what I mean? But Dr. Emily, thank you so much. We always love having you on the podcast, and we're so excited oh, to work with you to talk so about to talk sex to taboos. Um, so I'm thank you so much. You. Yes, let's do, let's do it again next thing. week. All right, you too. Oh, my God. You guys, I'm in. Okay. Yay. Awesome. <laughs> thank Bye. you. Bye. 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 Laura, I feel like this episode has been like therapy for me. I feel like talking about all these taboo things has like for some reason just made me feel really like, I don't know, like um, lit from within or something. I mean, as I said, there are stars coming out of your eyes. Not, yeah, you did say that. I do think that you had some stuff you wanted to talk about. I, you're right. I did. I just was like waiting for someone to ask me about all the men who have failed me in bed. Apparently. <laughs> It's just like really ready to bust through that taboo. Um, And what about you? What do you feel like you learned from today's episode of Cosmopolitan.com Happy Hour Podcast? Happy Hour Podcast. I so enjoyed it. And these experts that we've got are so smart. That Dr. Emily Morse. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. She's fantastic. And, you know, I and I think the, you know. The first person we spoke to who wrote the the life-changing art of not giving a fuck. Is that the right title? The life-changing magic of not giving a fuck. Sarah Knight. She was brilliant. She was brilliant. Yeah. And I just kind of loved how she talked about women's socialization to just get along. And we want to, like, bust through that. We want them to get there. It's not just get along. And I do think that a lot, hopefully, well, hopefully a lot of listeners aren't feeling stressed AF in their lives. But I think what she said is we are so reticent to identify our tight bra as being a symptom of something deeper I think that will really resonate with people who are struggling and feel like oh it's just normal to feel sick all the time it's normal to have a headache for four days straight um so yeah that was really enlightening for me and the whole idea of Cosmo I mean our editor-in-chief Michelle Promalika loves to kind of talk about the fact that like Cosmo is like the stigma buster like we go where people don't go we go there we go there yeah so we're going there and you should come to on June 24th yeah do you want to tell people one more time where they can get more deets about the let's talk about it event and see both of us there yes we will sign autographs you guys we'll do it if anyone wants our autograph, no one has ever asked me for an autograph. I think people are afraid to talk about wanting right. our autographs. Right, that's um, a taboo. <laughs> that's clearly what's the been final taboo holding them back. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Um. So yeah, come see us. It will, <laughs> it'll be a really fun day. There are like ballin gift bags. Ooh. I can't even tell you what's in it, but I am sort of like blown away by some of the stuff I know, we're getting. I'm like, the do gift I get bags. one? <laughs> Um, no, okay. Cards, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, everyone that comes will get a good gift bag. There's all kinds of fun stuff going on. We have great experts, top dermatologists, top, you know, relationship experts, top, you know, 
cool things, Instagram moments, activations, good food, cocktails, networking, Cosmo time. It's going to be amazing. If this episode made you feel better, just imagine how the event will make you feel. Seriously. There's, and there's going to be a lot of time. You're not going to be being talked at the whole time. Yeah. You're going to like you're going to learn stuff, but from each other and from yourself and from experts. Anyway, Cosmopolitan.com backslash let's talk about. I'm sorry. Let's talk. Let's talk. Cosmopolitan.com slash let's talk. The event is June 24th in New York City. So come see us there. And Laura, in the meantime, where is the best place for people to follow you and let's talk at you to like slide into Amazing. your DMs? Well, I um, always have a lot to say, especially on Twitter. <laughs> yes. At Laura Brownstein. And I'm on Insta with the same handle. The same. Always good to have that and like it's handle. And Oh, yeah. Not not brown like the color. Exactly. Yeah. It, and as always, I'm at Elisa Benson on Twitter, Insta, Snap, whatever. Um, let us know what you guys want us to talk about next week on the Cosmo Happy Hour podcast. I'm always listening. And hopefully to see some of you, hopefully we'll see some of you guys IRL on June 24th. Um, see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.